So today, um, HL asked me to preach, and it is always so, uh, it's, it's tough following HL simply because he's, he's such a great teacher and speaker, and uh, I always feel humbled um, every time that I'm asked to speak, uh, just that I get a chance to share with you guys things that are on my heart. Um, but we're in the middle of a series uh, called Unfriended. Um, we're talking about conflict, conflict between Christians, conflict um, just in, in relationships and um, things outside of church. Uh, and so I wanted to, to kind of hit on some, some points on this. And so I want to talk to you about a topic that I'm, I'm really passionate about. This is actually one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to, uh, to talk about how to handle. And so today we're actually talking about uh, being stabbed in the back uh, and, and uh, betrayal. And uh, all of us experience betrayal in some form or another. Um, but how we respond to it uh, Really, how we respond to it is, is critical and in ministering to people or in, uh, in even in our own personal health or spiritual health, um, how we respond to uh, how we retaliate, if we retaliate, should we retaliate, uh, all of those kind of questions, um, I think Jesus uh, resolves um, when he was here with us. And so I, I want to I talk about uh, this quality, the transforming power of meekness. Um, and so we're going to talk about some conflict resolution um, through uh, meekness. So um, betrayal happens everywhere, right? So from losing a friendship um, to having a business relationship falling apart uh, to being in a relationship with somebody uh, and that, that crumbling, um, and in some cases divorce, there are uh, acts of betrayal and, and being, feel, that feeling of being stabbed in the back when somebody is lying about you, um, when someone is, is telling things that just aren't the truth, and it hurts, and it's, it, it hurts a lot, and our, our first response typically is to stand up for ourselves, uh, or it's to vindicate ourselves, prove ourselves right, prove the other person wrong, or, or it may be even to retaliate um, in, a, in, a, uh, in, in a way. And so as uh, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew, up, I grew up involved in ministry. My parents uh, were, were pastors um, uh, here in Kentucky. And growing up in a church, I experienced this kind of stuff firsthand. Uh, I experienced um, uh, betrayal and, and, or people that were part of our family that, are, that, that grew up you know, practically raising us that at some point or another, if, whether they felt like they needed to go to a different church or whatnot, like I've, I've, we saw people that we loved and trusted turn their backs on us. And that happens. That happens in life. I know, I know my case is not the only example, um, but it, it even happens in the church. You know, and, that, and, and that, uh, those moments where, um, where you felt like people that you trusted turned their backs on you, especially within the church, I almost wanted to give up church altogether. You know, I grew up in, uh, in that environment, like, why, why are people this hurtful even inside the church? Why, why, would, why would somebody spread lies about my family um, or spread lies about what we're trying to do or, or me? And uh, it even got to the point that my parents, when they were, uh, when my parents were pastors, they, my parents actually divorced um, when they were pastors of a church, right? Which, that's pretty heavy stuff. Or we saw, we saw um, our church almost split over something like this, you know, and, and people that I grew up knowing as, as uh, friends had suddenly become distant. People, one of my parents or the other, no one really needed to have an opinion on. 
and, and people started talking about one of my parents or the other and, and all of this chaos and confusion. And I just wanted to leave the church altogether, get out of this drama and the, and the back talking and the, the, you know, the betrayal that you thought you trusted people and they broke your trust. And I wanted to get out. And I'm so thankful for uh, how uh, both of my parents actually handled it and how, uh, but in particular, my mom. Um, and she taught me some valuable things about meekness. Um, and so I want to talk to you about meekness today. Um, so our, you know, we want to vindicate ourselves uh, when we feel stabbed in the back, right? We want, to, we want to stand up for ourselves, prove the other person wrong. But what, I'm, what I want to tell you today is that you don't have to vindicate yourself. Now let me pause and say that if you're in a situation where it's abusive, if you're in a, an emotionally abusive, physically abusive kind of relationship or, or whatnot, if you're in a bad situation, you need to speak up for yourself and get out. That is not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is in relationships with people, um, in our interactions with people, in those moments where you feel uh, like you have been, your trust has been broken or you feel betrayed or stabbed in the back, I don't think you have to vindicate yourself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually explain why. So we need to look at Jesus. Um, and, uh, and Jesus, this is a, a really cool trait about him. So we know that Jesus is loving, right? We know, that, we know because of 1 John that God is love. So we're like, okay, Jesus is love, right? Jesus never said, I am love. We, we look at how wise God is and how all-knowing he is. And, um, but Jesus never really said, I am wise, we know he's wise. We know he's loving. Um, but there was one character trait that he did say. He says in Matthew chapter 11, I think it's verse 28, he says, I am, I am uh, meek and lowly in heart. And he says, come to me, you all who are, who are weary. And Jesus, uh, Jesus tells us this character trait about himself, and it's reflected in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where he talks about you know, turning the other cheek and when those who persecute you, bless those who persecute you. Um, and all of that in the, in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Jesus talks about meekness. And so what is meekness? So, yeah, this is a, I got a story about meekness. Um, people typically get meekness confused with weakness, right? When you hear the word that someone is, is meek, we think, oh, they're, they're shy, they're gentle, um, they're, they're timid, you know, they, they're really meek. And that's, and that's how I always thought, that they're, uh, someone's like frail. Or, and meekness is actually not weakness. See, weakness is not having the ability to accomplish something. And I learned this hard lesson um, uh, about three years ago. Uh, um, because, so three years ago, so I have, I have a younger brother. And uh, he's been in here a few times. Um, it's uh, Chanel's husband. And uh, and my brother, Kess, uh, he and I, we're, we have, I mean, we have the same parents, we have the same DNA, but we have two completely different builds. We have two completely different body types. I, I got, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm better looking, and I, I have the smarts and whatnot. No, but, uh, but, you know, I took after my, my dad's side of the family. Um, I just had this thing where we're, we're like naturally, like, pot-bellied and we have like no we have no strength in our arms and like this just this kind of these are the genes I got and my brother got the genes from my mom's side of the family where they got the big barrel chest and even if he puts on weight you don't really know because it's like everything just gets so big and he's strong my little brother is strong I can still beat him up 
<laughs> but my little brother is strong. And, and uh, so about three years ago, uh, he kept telling me, man, you got to go to the gym with me. Man, you got to start working out and, and exercise. And I was like, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I mean, I'm, I'm stronger than my brother, you know, because growing up, I, I, my brother's three years younger than me. And so I've always been the bigger brother and, you know, uh, could beat him up. And I just didn't realize how much he's grown and how strong he's really gotten because I was so used to just picking on him growing up. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get the big brother thing. I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to work out, and I'm, you know, I'm going to show you up. And, and uh, so we went, and, and uh, I decided, for someone who's never been in the gym before, I'm going to do the exact same workout routine that my brother is doing, um, just use a little bit lighter weights, right? That seems kind of normal. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But what I didn't realize was that my brother um, had recently watched the newest Dark Knight movie with Bane in it. He saw Tom Hardy and was like, I want to be that guy. And so it was doing the same workout that some of these celebrities were doing to get as ripped as possible. So I go in there thinking, big brother, you know, I'm going to do these weights. And I learned a valuable lesson about weakness that day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that I didn't have the ability to do the same things that my brother was doing. Only to find out after we were done working out, my brother was going easy on me. He was doing heavier weights than me the whole time, but just a little bit heavier. But he was still going a little easy on me because he knew that I was, uh, I was uh, new to it. So he didn't do all the things that he normally does. And he had the ability to go way further, but he chose not to. And that's an example of meekness in a physical sense, where he had the ability to do this kind of stuff, and I just didn't. And, and it affected me so bad I, from working out and doing, so much, doing all the same stuff that he did <laughs> My, like right here in your elbows, if you, if you ever work out your bicep and it contracts, I had T-Rex arms for the next like three or four days. And, you know, and I'm working at a store that has a drive-thru and I'm trying to hand out people's drinks. I'm like, here you go. All right, I'll just put your change in here. All right. Have a nice day. You know, and I'm just walking around like this. And so I, I went through the embarrassment and the humiliation of being weak. And, and so, so have that picture in your head that that meekness is not weakness, right? So, so meekness is one of Jesus' trademark character traits, and it's often overlooked. So let's talk about some things with Jesus. Jesus, uh, we know in Hebrews chapter 1 that, uh, that Jesus is the image or essence of God. Um, I'll read a, a little uh, excerpt from, uh, from Hebrews. Uh, yeah, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the most powerful being in the universe, right? He can uphold the universe by the word of his power. Um, but when Jesus was here in, in, uh, in his earthly ministry, Jesus, you know, he would, he would heal the sick. He would raise the dead and do all these things. But when he was challenged, he never vindicated himself or he never proved himself. Every time he was challenged, even, even there, were, there were moments when he first started his ministry and he went on um, a 40-day fast. He was, he was tempted in, in the wilderness uh, where the devil came before him and said, you know, turn these stones into bread and do all these, prove who you are. And he says, no, don't, don't, tempt, don't tempt me. And, and Jesus, even when challenged, never, he never had to prove himself. Now he had all the ability, right? He... You know, he could lift the heavier weights, but he didn't, he didn't have to prove that about himself. And, 
so he chose a lowly life, and he chose a humiliating death, especially in that time, dying on a cross next to thieves and, and uh, tax collectors and whatnot, you know, it was, it was very, and usually people that were um, put on a, a cross, it could be either for like treasonous crimes or um, some of the really heavy stuff. You know, the, the cross was not, an, uh, was not an honorable death by any means. And that was the life that, that Jesus chose to live. And ultimately, he showed his power when he rose from the grave. But he chose that uh, for himself because he wanted to accomplish something greater than just proving how strong he was. Right? He wanted to liberate us from sin. That was Jesus' ultimate goal. He wanted to liberate us um, and, and, start and, and create the start of a new relationship between God and man. And that was his ultimate goal. And, and that's, that's why the cross happened. And uh, that's why he did what he did. And there was something greater to be accomplished here. Because, yeah, sure, he could have turned the stones into bread. He could have, uh, you know... Uh, he could have displayed his power. He could have come off the cross with a host of angels, uh, is what he was, he was challenged at one point. He, and he could have done all of that, and we would have, the, the world would have seen him be like, oh my gosh, and just bow down and worship him. But that's not the kind of relationship that he wanted. He, God doesn't want to be seen as the, the great, you know, juju God on the mountain kind of deal. You know, like that's, that's, not how, that's not how God wanted to reveal himself. He wanted to reveal himself in the cross. And there was something that was of greater importance that he didn't have to prove himself. So uh, Ravi Zacharias, there's a cool quote from him, and I just realized I didn't put it on a slide, so I'm going to read it. Um, the cross of Christ stands as a mystery because it is foreign to everything we exalt, self over principle, power over meekness, the quick fix over the long haul, cover up over confession, escapism over confrontation, comfort over sacrifice, feeling over commitment, legality over justice, the body over the spirit, anger over forgiveness, man over God. Matthew, um, uh, in chapter 5, um, Jesus is giving um, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, uh, turn the other to him also. And that could easily be taken, who stabs you in the back? You know, turn the other shoulder to him also. Um, and so with the, when he says the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, you know, we think of justice as, as getting payback or as, you know, uh, and that's what the law was back then. But uh, we, we think of vindicating ourselves. If we can, if we can bring that other person down and, and show everybody that we were right, get it back to that even playing field because they've made it uneven, then, then justice has been served, and that's not what God calls us to do. Jesus commands us as Christians to pick up our cross and follow him. And that means walking in meekness in the middle of conflict. It means praying for your accusers. It means turning the other cheek. So I have some quick tips on how to walk in uh, meekness and how to, when, when these things happen, um, you know, when someone spreads lies about you or um, you have that kind of conflict, uh, how, how do we respond? And uh, if we could go to that slide. So number one, understand that the truth will 
always be revealed. Um, and, and so El, uh, I have a quote from Elvis here, um, of all people. Uh, but the truth is like the sun. You can shut it out for a time, but it ain't going away. And, and that's the thing, is, is the truth will always come out with or without your help. It always reveals itself. Um, you know, people, people can spot when someone is spreading lies about somebody. You know, um, if, if, there, if someone is constantly lying, it always catches up. It always does. And it's not our place to have to stick up for ourselves and bring them down and call them out. People will notice, you know. They're making their own bed. And, and we pray for them. And we hope that changes, you know. God loves them and forgives them, and we, we do too. But understand that if someone is walking down that path, that's, that's the consequences happen that way. And with or without our help. Number two, people are watching you. Um, how you handle betrayal will speak volumes about your character. And it can affect your witness. You know, how you handle these kind of situations. People have their eyes on you because if, uh, you know, if, if usually if someone is, is saying things about you, then attention is on you. And how you choose to respond can affect how you relate to others later. You know, if, if you spend your time trying to bring someone else down that was bringing you down and you've, you've went to the same level as them, then it's even hard for people around you to trust that you're not going to speak bad about them. And then number three is realize what is most important. The most important thing for us as believers is the gospel. It's the cross of Christ. It's um, when Jesus says, or, so in, in Jesus we saw a God that was willing to die for his enemies and give them what they deserve. That was the kind of, that was who Jesus was. And, and what's most important when we face these really tough situations is that people need to understand the cross and forgiveness and, and mercy and that God loves them just as much as, as he loves me and you. And, and so the, um, there's a quote that I saw. Uh, it says, uh, The life and death of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection, the redemption of humanity, is the single most important series of events in history. And everyone, including our accusers and backstabbers, needs to experience the gospel's liberating power. Everyone deserves to experience the gospel. And even if they've been uh, a, a brother or sister in Christ, if they've been a Christian, they've been walking beside us, and, and they still backstab us or they still uh, spread lies, understand that the cross is still meant for them too. And that it's, it's hard. This is, this is a hard topic to talk about because it is hard to forgive. It's, it's hard to forgive and it's hard to stay quiet. I'll give you an example from my own personal life. My, um, I talked earlier about, um, about how I, I looked to my mom um, when my parents had gotten a divorce. And 
Um, and I, and I have a great relationship with both of my parents. And, and you know, divorce is just a sad thing that happens. And unfortunately, it's, it's a sad reality even within the church. Um, but because of something that was so high profile, because we were, uh, uh, my parents were pastors, um, and everyone wanted to spread or have their opinion and spreading lies and on both sides. You know, my mom had full custody, so I got to see how she handled it firsthand. And one of the things that would always drive me crazy growing up, I would say, Mom, people are lying about you. They're, they're spreading things that are just not true. Why don't you stick up for yourself? Like, I didn't, I didn't understand why someone just would, would stay quiet. And, and my mom, just time and time again, would just remind us that that's not what's important here. That, that she's confident and she knows where she's at. She knows what happened. She knows what people who are lying, uh, she, she knows what's truth and what's not. She doesn't have to prove it. God sees the heart. And that stuff will all work itself out. It just will. And it would drive me crazy. I would, I would, and I would be like, why? Why aren't you telling? And I wanted to stand up. And, and there was, one, at one point, the, um, the denomination that we were a part of, um, there were some leaders within the state that even came and were involved. And as a 14-year-old, you know, I stood up to one of the leaders over the state and was like, I don't like this and you and the lies and the whatever. But my Parents, both of my parents, but my mom especially, you know, uh, that I, I could see because I was there, didn't speak up, didn't have to. And it all worked itself out. It always did. And that wasn't the only time. These were lessons that my mom would, would teach us growing up, was people are going to lie about you. And it'll, it'll happen. It'll, it, that's going to happen in life. But you don't have to vindicate yourself you have already been set free and liberated by Jesus. You have your confidence in him. And he sees the hidden things of your heart. And he knows the truth. And you know the truth. And it will work itself out. So if God has already taken care of us, if we are peoples of the cross, if we are followers of Jesus, we got to see the bigger picture here. So what's more important? Proving ourselves right or loving our enemies? You know, that's what, that's the, that's the big question. We have to love our enemies. We have to love those who stab us in the back. We have to love those that, that speak lies about us. This is the, this is part of the cross that we bear. This is what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, that we turn the other cheek. You know, I feel like that, that phrase is, is used so commonly, but when you really think about what it's saying, when someone has insulted you, has cursed your name, has stabbed you in the back or spread lies, that you move on and you, you, offer, the, you, know, the, you offer your back again. or you know, That's what it looks like. And it's tough. It's, it's tough to talk about. In Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 7, we look at Jesus and it says, He was oppressed... And he was afflicted. This is a prophecy about Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, 
so he opened not his mouth. Jesus faced betrayal um, in two really heavy, tough ways. Um, we saw one in Judas. That's the one everyone. And Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And, and Jesus let the guards come and take him away. Even when Peter, who kind of acted like me with my mom, even when Peter got riled up, got angry, and chopped off an ear. I didn't chop off an ear, but he chopped off an ear of one of the, one of the guards. And Jesus immediately heals the guard's ear and, 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 and goes with them to, to prison. Jesus continues to see the bigger picture here. He doesn't have to stand up for himself. There's something bigger that's at stake, and that's the liberation of humanity from sin. And, but then we also see that Jesus was betrayed again by old ear-slicing Peter. Peter denied Jesus, denied ever knowing Jesus, later before Jesus went onto the cross. And those things hurt. And those things are painful. But that was a cross Jesus chose to bear, and as Christians, we bear that cross too. Our job is to love those who persecute us and stab us in the back. Knowing we have the ability to prove ourselves right, we can lift the heavyweights. We're not weak. We're confident in who we are in God. But we set that aside to serve an important purpose. And that important purpose is to look like Jesus. We're called as a church to look like Jesus. And sometimes it hurts to think about. Sometimes it hurts when people lie about us, and stab us in the back. But ultimately, ultimately, the cross was for them too. And it's our job to walk in meekness. And to let it, like HL did last week, uh, you know, he did his like goofy little dance thing. And I did that for you, Chris Booker, so you can find it in the middle of the sermon, or in the middle of the video, and loop it over and over, just like he did with HL last week. But HL did that little dance of saying, like, just let it roll off your back. And, that, and that's what it is. Let it roll off your back. Our job is to look like Jesus and to be a light to the world.